You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. It was a big morning, right? That was a big announcement. There was a lot going on in that video. Are you all right? Okay, all right, good. Hey, we're really, really excited about the direction that God is leading us as a church, but we also understand that you guys, those who regularly call the 10 a.m. service their service, it affects you the most. Uh, but to let you know that we are building this new facility, if we were to remain as we are, if we were to stay doing our services the way that we're doing them, that would sit empty because we'd still be needing to get you in and get you out as fast as possible. Because if the 11, if the 8.30 was still here having coffee, there would be absolutely not one car park spot for you guys to get in. So in order to clear the car park, in order to get you in, uh, we need to create space between our services. And the only way to do that is to drop down to two services. We still have capacity for growth, even at two services. So what it means is you either going to get up a little bit earlier or you're going to sleep in a little bit longer, right? That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, And so I really just want to encourage you, as Steve said, chat with your family, chat with your small group and decide this is going to be our new service. And we're just believing that God will make it so that it's like an even spread (laughs) and that you all don't turn up to one or the other. Uh, But we're really excited about the community that can be built, about what's going to take place and being able to open that up. And to let you know, we are going to be reopening as with that space usable on the 13th of June. We're calling it our housewarming party. And so we are going to be running to the finish line though, folks. It is still, there is still a lot to do. But on that Sunday will not only be the first Sunday we have two services, it will also be the reopening of our new facility, which is so very exciting. We are going to have free coffee all day and there's going to be a ribbon cutting at 8.15 a.m. where we cut the ribbon to open it up as the new space. Our kids will be able to be use that space, our under fives are going to be in there. There's going to be a beautiful mother's room. And all the mothers said, amen. It's going to be absolutely phenomenal. And we're opening it on that Sunday. So please continue to pray for us. Please continue to pray for the team. Um, and if you have any time throughout the week, you want to put some flat pack furniture together, you let me know, all right? <laughs> because there's still a lot to do. But please, please, please make sure you come on out. We're having a big celebration on that Sunday. And we're so excited to host you all here and show you through the new space. Steve is out west with our West Campus today. He's preaching there with them, but he always says hello. And hello to our online campus as well. Botany, can we welcome our online family? And Adrian will also let you know later, but uh, the online campus will be streaming from the 9 a.m. service as well. So you guys can tune in at 9 a.m. Well, we are continuing our series today, Culture Shift. And we're looking, we've been looking over the last few weeks at how we as Christians can stand firm in the truth of God's Word while also living in a world that's shifting, in a changing culture, that every day when we wake up and turn on the news, something more has happened and we think, oh my goodness, what on earth is going on in the world? And I am speaking from a message today that I have titled, I'm offended that you're offended. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. God, 
We thank you, Lord Jesus, that even in a shifting culture, your word is a solid rock, a foundation we can build our life on. And as we turn to your word now, we pray that you would reveal to us your heart for all people in this world right now during this time. God, would you reveal to us what it is you want us to do, how you want us to be and speak and have our way, have your way in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we live in a world today where people are offended at everything, right? They seem to be offended by every single little thing. You don't have to go far on social media to see someone being called out for a comment that they've made, for uh, some kind of truth that they are determining to stand on, um, for something that they've said, they're called out for it. Um, and, and I think that many Christians, many of us, are actually ha- unsure how to respond in that kind of world. We're unsure how we are to stand firm in our faith in a world that is going to be offended at every turn. If I say something, will I be, get accused of being intolerant? If I say something, will I get accused of being small-minded? If I say something, will someone take it the wrong way? And many times as Christians, I'm not sure if you're like me, but I stand there in a conversation thinking, well, I don't even know what if I should say something. And if I say it, well, how's it going to be taken? And we have this dilemma as Christians in the world that we live in today. And the question is, the question I think we often all ask is, how as Christians do we enter into these conversations? Should I enter in do, or do I just say nothing? Uh, how, if I want to take a stand, how should I do it? When do I do it? How do I phrase it? How do I put my words to it? Because chances are someone is likely to get offended. My goal for this message today is actually just to give you a tool, to give you some tools that I hope will help you as you enter into those conversations. I'm going to give you two questions that we can ask. But before we do that, let's take a look at our scripture. In Mark 15, we read, Verse one, it's coming up on the screen. As soon as it was morning, having had a meeting, having had a meeting with the elders, scribes, and the whole Sanhedrin, the chief priests tied Jesus up, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. So Pilate asked him, are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, you say so. And the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate questioned him again, aren't you going to answer? Look how many things they are accusing you of. But Jesus did not answer. And so Pilate was amazed. At the festival, Pilate was used to release for the people a prisoner whom they requested. There was one named Barabbas who was in prison with rebels who had committed murder during the rebellion. The crowd came up and began to ask Pilate to do for them as was his custom, which was to release one prisoner that they asked for during this festival. Pilate answered them, do you want me to release the king of the Jews? For he knew that it was because of the envy of the chief priests that they had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd so that they would release Barabbas to them instead. Pilate asked them again, then what do you want me to do with the one you call the king of the Jews? Again, they shouted, crucify him. Pilate said to them, why, what has he done wrong? But they shouted all the more, crucify him. Wanting to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas to them. And after having Jesus flogged, he handed him over to be crucified. In our passage of scripture, we are described a scene that I think is actually familiar to us. It's a scene that we see splashed across our screens every day. A scene where we have a dominant narrative being shouted, 
and where even if they wanted to, anyone else in the room, even if they disagreed with it, are too afraid to go against it because of what might happen to them, because of how they might be treated, because of how they might be taken. And it's not too far off from how some of us, I'm sure, have felt in situations and circumstances that we have been in in this shifting culture. Jesus stands on trial innocent and yet accused. And there are two different responses from the leaders and influential people who are in the room that day, the chief priests and Pilate. In verse 11, it says, but the chief priests stirred up the crowd. You got those people in your life who just like to stir the pot? You know those people who just love a bit of confrontation? Those family members around the dinner table who you're not even sure if they really believe what they're saying, but the look on Auntie Joan's face is just too priceless for them to stop stirring now. You know those people, don't you? Those people who just like to poke the bear to get a rise out of someone. This is what the chief priests did. They stirred that pot among the people. They got them going. Oh boy, did they poke the bear. They poured coal onto that fire and it took light and the crowd began to become out of control. On the other side of the coin, you've got Pilate's reaction. In verse 15, it said, to satisfy the crowd, Pilate released Barabbas and sent Jesus off to be crucified to satisfy the crowd. Anybody got a people pleaser in their family? You know, the people who just don't want to offend anybody. I don't want to upset anyone. I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. So I'm just going to go with the majority of the room just to keep the peace. We've got one of those in our family. They can't make decisions on anything because they're worried their decision might hurt someone else's feelings. This was Pilate. Pilate was the people pleaser in the room. Pilate didn't want to offend anybody, despite what he actually believed, despite the fact that he was questioning everything. He's like, what do you mean you want to crucify this guy? He hasn't done anything wrong. Despite the fact that Pilate wholeheartedly believed that Jesus should be released, he satisfied the crowd. He just went with the majority vote because he didn't want to offend anyone. He was worried about what might what happen, so he handed Jesus over to his accusers. Now, I'm not sure if you have seen those two different responses in our world. You've seen people who just look like they want to stir the pot. People who are just jumping in there on the social media. That's when you grab your popcorn, right? And you're like, oh yeah, this is going to get good. This is going to go down on social media as you see people just begin to light fires all over the place. But then you've got others of us who we're too afraid to rock the boat. And so Often we compromise on our faith. We compromise on what we know the Word of God says because we're worried about what everyone else is going to think. But the interesting thing about this story is that there were not just those two leaders in the room. There was another leader in the room that day, Jesus. And it's actually Jesus' response that you and I need to take note of because Jesus' response in this scenario and in many others we read throughout the Gospels is the one that guides us into how we are to respond. In Mark 14, verse 60, it says, Then the, chief, then the high priest stood before them all and questioned Jesus. Don't you have an answer to what these men are testifying against you? But he kept silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest questioned him, are you the Messiah, the one of the son of the blessed one? I am, Jesus said in verse 63. See, Jesus neither stirred the crowd, 
But nor did he satisfy the crowd and give them what they wanted either. He remained steadfast. He remained immovable in the face of accusation. He remained steadfast in the face of adversity, of persecution, and of the shifting culture of the world around him. He didn't go out of his way to offend people, but he also didn't try not to offend people either. People were offended. In many occasions across the Gospels, Jesus offended people by some of the things that he taught and he said, but his heart was not to offend people. And there are some key things that Jesus does in the way that he navigates some of these difficult conversations I think we can learn from. And there are two questions I wanna encourage you to ask before you enter the conversation. Like, uh, here's a tip. Ask them before, don't think you wish you'd ask them later, okay? Ask them before, all right? So the first question is this. Could saying less avoid a bigger mess? Could saying less avoid a bigger mess? You've ever been in a conversation where before you can catch yourself, you realize the words that are coming out of your mouth would have been better had you kept them inside, I uh, recently was at a conference and there was some, a bunch of pastors there and we were all having lunch and I was chatting to one of the pastors in the room and she pastored a church overseas, but she grew up in New Zealand in, Elam, in an Elam church, not in Auckland, not in one of our campuses, another Elam church. And she was saying to me, how's it going? How are they doing? And I was like, wow, they're doing amazing. They've just had an amazing building renovation. Actually, it's an incredible story. They've been wanting to renovate the building for so long, but they didn't have finance. And then a flood happened. So they got the insurance payout and were able to do it. And then I said these words, it was so good because the building was just awful. It was awful. I don't know how many times I expressed that the building was awful, awful, awful. She turned to me and she said, did you know that my parents own that building? <laughs> She's like, they sold everything they had, bought it and gave it to the church. I was like, oh. it's real hard to back out of one of those conversations, isn't it? It's real hard to get those words back in once they're out. It's easier to get your toothpaste back in the tube than it is to sort out that verbal explosion that you just sent everywhere. We've all been there, haven't we? We've all been there where we realize that what we said, oh, I shouldn't have said that. That's why the Bible describes the tongue or our words like a spark that can set a whole forest alight. Because the reality of words is that once you say it, once it's out, you no longer have control over it. And it's real hard to get that back in. For the majority of Jesus' trial, he actually stood silent. He knew when to speak and he knew when to hold his tongue. And I think it's a skill that a lot of us could learn today. Because what we do is we say a lot of things just off the top of our head. We say a lot of things that we think or that we feel and neither are based on the word of God or on a reflective of who he's called us to be. But when Jesus opened his mouth, he spoke out of his identity and he spoke out of the word of God. Jesus said less, but what he said, it meant more. And I think many of us at times, and maybe I'm the only one who lies in bed at night thinking, I really wish I hadn't said that. Been there, ever been there where you're lying in bed and you're just swirling around and around in your head? So I guess the question, I guess the question we have to ask ourselves is, does saying something lead to a fruitful conversation that's encouraging 
and edifying and leading people toward kingdom thinking, or is it simply adding fuel to a fire that's already out of control? Is it just adding noise to an already noisy room? Sometimes the answer is actually saying less, because saying less can avoid a bigger mess. Amen? All right. Number two, the second question, if we determine saying something is necessary, here's what we need to ask ourselves. Do they know that they belong before I let them know they are wrong? Have I let them know that they belong before I let them know they are wrong? I was at the athletics track just down at Pakaranga the other day, and um, my boys both do athletics, and I was with Rocky's group and seven-year-old boys, and there was a bit of a scuffle and, and these boys suddenly got into a fight and the fight ended with one boy socking the other boy in the nose and giving him a blood nose. It was very exciting. It was like more exciting than the 100 meter race. And so we were trying to figure out what took place, what happened, how did it go so wrong in just a few minutes time, which you know with a group of seven year old boys is actually easy to go so wrong in just a few minutes time. But we were trying to work it out. And so these boys, are, uh, we're talking to them and what we realize is that the boy who had his nose hit was actually being super irritating, antagonistic, and just annoying and irritating everyone around him. And so the boy who did the punching was trying to tell him, your behavior is wrong. What you're doing is wrong. You need to stop annoying everybody. Now, you and I can agree that his motive was correct. Yes, this little boy shouldn't be annoying to everybody else. He shouldn't be antagonistic. He shouldn't be irritating and just out there to get to poke the. He's a bit like the high priest, you know, the high, the, the chief priest, just poking the bear. But I think you can also agree that his his way of communicating this could have done with some work. Like a punch to the nose probably wasn't the best way of getting his message across. Now. Thinking about that moment, it suddenly occurred to me that while we don't go around punching people in the nose, I think often as adults, we actually can be a bit the same. Our cause is often right. Our motives are often right. But often we respond in an unrighteous way. See, what I've noticed happening around the world is people are saying something's wrong here. The situation is wrong. What's happening here is wrong. Someone needs to put it right. And their motive is correct. Their heart for the situation is absolutely often very right and it's very genuine and they genuinely want to help. But I can't help but see, as I watch countless social media posts, as I see memes created, status updates, keyboard wars going on in the community grapevines, you know, I can't help but think that even as we've watched on our news screens what's going on in America with all the riots and the looting, I can't help but think that people are trying to put something right in a way that just does not fit with what Jesus taught when he said, turn the other cheek. When he said, give them your coat as well. When he said, if you've got an issue with someone, grab someone else if you need to and go and see an elder, forgive 70 times seven. What Jesus didn't say was jump on the community grapevine and spend an hour crafting a rant that you can put up that begins with, to the man who, to the woman who pulled out in front of me in the traffic, to the man who left his dog do on the side. You know, like these, these community fa- 
Facebook grapevines, they drive me crazy. They're a breeding ground for bad behavior in adults. We live in a world that thinks that just because the cause is right, their actions are automatically right. But that's not always true. So how do we as the church do it differently? How do we as Christians respond in a different way? I'm going to ask the band to come and join me now. See, here's what we need to establish. We need to establish this is what I believe. This is what I'm standing on. This is what I will not budge on. And we build that based upon the Word of God, the truth of the Word of God. Steve spoke about it a couple of Sundays ago. And if you haven't heard that message, go on and have a look at part one of Culture Shift. He talked about how we don't build our life on feelings. We build it on the truth of God's Word. We don't build it on compromise. We build it on the conviction of God's Word. So this is what I'm standing on. This is what we believe. But this is how we treat people. This is how we treat, we always treat people with respect. We will always treat people with kindness. We may not agree on this particular issue, but you will always know that you belong. You see, Jesus often said things that people took offense to. Remember when he was sitting at the table and he referred to one lady as a dog? That's offensive. That's super offensive, Jesus. Like, um, not so sure you should have said that out loud. But do you remember how Jesus said offensive things? He said them within a relationship. He built relationship first. He sat at the table with Pharisees before he called them hypocrites. He ate meals with tax collectors and prostitutes before he called them to go and sin no more. He shared food with people who had different opinions to him different worldview, different past, different life stories. Because first and foremost, he was showing them, you belong with me. You belong with me. That's why turning up in the comments of some random social media post is not a good idea because there's no relationship there. Here's the truth. Relationship will disarm the defensive. That's why Jesus spent time sitting across the table from somebody He spent time sitting across the table from them, communing with them, connecting with them. Because around tables, differences are squared. Barriers are broken down. Communion begins to open up. The word table actually speaks to reconciliation. It's what it means, a bridging of relationship. And when we come to someone who has a different background to us, who has a different a different worldview, a different lifestyle, and we show them that we care more about them as a person than we do about getting our point across, those defensive walls will come crumbling down. Have you let them know that they belong before you let them know that they're wrong? See, Jesus, He still offended people. And, and you and I, We are still going to offend people. Look, I'm not saying don't say anything, but Jesus taught us what it looks like to say, we don't agree, but I'm still gonna love you. We may never agree, but I'm still gonna love you. John 13 said, I give you a new command, love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Love one another, just as Christ loved you. Can you remember how He found you? 
Can you remember how He found you and loved you in that state? Lost, broken, addicted, proud, messy. How did He find you? And He loved you. And that is how He calls each and every one of us to love the broken and the addicted and the totally lost and the totally messy and the totally confused and the totally got the wrong page. People in our world love one another as Christ loved you. Amen. Come on, let's pray. God, I thank you that you have positioned each and every one of us in a workplace, in a school environment, on a street, in a family for a reason. And you've called us to be light in those places, God. And we thank you for that purpose, for that position in those places. And God, we're asking right now that you would help each one of us to speak and act and behave in such a way that would be fruitful to your kingdom cause, not detrimental. God, would you help each one of us to know when to speak and when to stay silent? Would you help each one of us to be able to show every person we come in contact with that even if we don't agree, they will always find a loving space to come to and ask questions and wonder and explore who Jesus is. God, I thank you that you have called us to build bridges and break down barriers. Lord, show us as individuals what we can do in Jesus' mighty name. With every head still bowed and every eye closed, I just wanna speak to those today. Maybe you're here in this place and you, you don't know God. Perhaps church isn't usually your thing. You've come visiting today or maybe you used to come to church, but now you haven't been for a while and this is your first time back. And, but what you really know today is that something in your life needs to change. Well, I wanna speak to you for just a moment because God loves you and He created you with a plan and a purpose in mind. And He has got something for your life that you never ever imagined. The problem is we all walk away from Him. We try and do it our own way. We try and do our own thing. And the, the reality is, is that our sin, it separates us from God. But what I want you to know in the room and online today is that God didn't want that. And so in His mercy and grace, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die a sinner's death and to, to live a sinless life and then die a sinner's death to pay the debt that you and I would do for our sin. And I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and I'm gonna invite you to join me in praying that prayer. If you're saying, Bex, I need God in my life, then just pray it along with me in your heart. We say, dear Jesus, thank you that you went to the cross for me. Thank you that you paid the debt that I was due. And I thank you for your forgiveness today. I choose from this day on to follow you. I give my life over to you now. Thank you for the plans and purposes you have for me. In Jesus' name, with every head still bowed and every eye closed, I would love to know who I'm praying for today. I'm not gonna call you to the front. I'm not gonna embarrass you. I'm not gonna make you stand up in front of everybody, but I am gonna ask you on the count of three just to lift your hand so I can see it. I'll acknowledge it and then you can pop it straight back down. Are you ready? Online, there's a button coming up. It says, I raise my hand. Push that button and we will be able to acknowledge you today. Are you ready? Be bold, be brave. One, two, three. Hands can go up. 
Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you. I see you. Yeah, yes, thank you. Got you. Anybody else? Yes, over here on this side. Yeah, down the back. I can see you. Yes, to my left. I've got you. Anybody else? You're saying, Bex, would you count me in on that prayer? Awesome. I see you online. Two of you online. Awesome. Right down the back. I can see you. Anybody else saying, Bex? Yes, another online. Thank you. I see you. Awesome. Another online. Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. God, we thank you for every person who's turned their hearts and lives back to you today. God, we thank you for the awesome plans and purposes that you have for them. We're so excited and so proud of them right now in this moment. God, we celebrate as all of heaven celebrates. Come on, church, why don't we lift up our praise? Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz